This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, November 24th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, San Miguel County extends mask mandate, county redistricting moves forward, the listening club feels a bit blue, and a mountain weather forecast. But first, Telluride lost a member of its community this week. Dana Flynn passed away early Tuesday morning after a six-year fight with ovarian cancer. She was 47 years old. Touch of Care Hospice attended to Flynn's comfort in her passing. She is survived by her siblings, Scott, Lisa, and Lynette, her mother, Norma, her children, Connor and Colton, and her husband, Greg. San Miguel County's indoor mask mandate will continue through January. According to Public Health Director Grace Franklin, the decision comes as winter begins and children under 12 are still getting vaccinated. Knowing that we'll be hitting that peak winter time, knowing that we had um, continued cases after all the holidays, after all the um, socialization and traveling that um, went with that, and then cases began to taper off in February. And so just setting realistic expectations and the fact that as a state, we're in a really bleak situation. Um, This seems like the most um, consistent approach um, and honest approach from public health. During a Board of County Commissioners meeting on Wednesday, commissioners supported Franklin's recommendation with a hope for the better. Here's Commissioners Lance Waring and Chris Holstrom. I appreciate your efforts to be realistic. And if by some miracle things improve more quickly than we expect, then of course we will adjust course. I echo that sentiment. The extended mask mandate comes as a number of other parts of the state, including Denver, enact their own in the wake of rising cases. It's estimated that about one in 62 Coloradans are currently infectious with COVID. Um, That's the highest estimated rate um, since this entire year or so, um, ending in November um, strong in a bad way. Franklin continues to encourage residents to receive their vaccine, whether it be first, second, or booster. And she urges people to participate in the contact tracing process if they or someone they know tests positive for COVID. She says public health has seen aggression and resistance toward contact tracers. I just want to remind folks that... um, These are community members that are humans and care about um, uh, our other community members. They're doing this work because they're passionate about the health of our and safety of our um, friends and family. So thank you for being kind and being compliant. Um, It really does just help further um, keeping our caseload down, keeping our um, community healthy and um, avoiding deaths and hospitalizations. San Miguel County's indoor mask mandate will remain in place across the county through the end of January, with the possibility to extend. San Miguel County's new commissioner districts are one step closer to being finalized after the 2020 census. Every 10 years, the county reapportions the district to balance them based on population data. The whole county votes for each of the three commissioner seats, so the new districts won't affect who can cast a ballot, but they will shape who can run for each district seat. Existing commissioners can serve out their term, even if they end up in a different district after redistricting. 
This week, the San Miguel Board of County Commissioners held a public hearing to review the proposed options for redistricting. Heather Woodland is the GIS coordinator. She developed and presented three options for redistricting. She notes there are several requirements for drawing the maps. State law requires there is no more than a 5% population difference between each district. According to Woodland, that was an easy benchmark to meet. We were able to get well below the 5% um, limit of what's required for the difference between the least and most populous districts, less than 1% for each of the options. In the broad sense... District 1 includes the town of Telluride and North, including the Aldosoro area. District 2 is Mountain Village South, including Lawson and Ophir. District 3 is everything West, Down Valley, Sawpit, Placerville, out to Norwood and the Utah border. Woodland notes the proposed changes don't impact most of that area. The difference between the options is not um, different for the district two and district three boundary. Those are the same for each of the options. It's really what we do with Telluride that changes. Option one includes the west end of town with the new Longwell 16 apartments, but it loops a few blocks east of Pine Street and south of Maine into district two. In option two, we keep all the town of Telluride together, but move all these people up in all the sorrow into district two. That option changes the look of the map most significantly and Woodland says is the least ideal. Finally, option three, the option Woodland recommends. This carves out some areas in the west side of Telluride. So west of Mahoney and north of Black Bear Road, there's there's some um, large uh, apartment buildings here that would go to District 2 from District 1. While the discussion was a public hearing, there was no comment from the community, and with that, a quick conversation. The Board of County Commissioners is scheduled to adopt the new district map at its meeting on December 29th. On Monday, the Wilkinson Public Library is hosting its monthly listening club. It's like a book club, but for albums. For November, Suzanne Chevins is leading a session on her album of choice, Blue by Joni Mitchell. KOTO's Matt Hoysh spoke with Chevins about the album. Hi, this is Suzanne Chevins, and I am a listening club devotee, and my chapter will be on Joni Mitchell's classically, unbelievably terrific, great, maybe one of the best albums of all time, Blue, on November 29th. It was probably where I spent a very large amount of my time in high school in my room listening to records. And this one, I was quite young, you know, it struck me as a very mature record, like, oh, this is how adults process things. I am on a lonely road and I am traveling, 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 looking for something. What can it be? Oh, I hate you so a little green like the color when the spring is born when you're young um, and you fall in love and it doesn't work out it is kind of the end of the world at, you know at least for the moment until the next one comes along so she she talks a lot about relationships in this record that that kind of raw naked vulnerability is is very courageous. It's a very, it's a very brave thing to express. And at the time, she said, um, 
she told an interviewer around those days that she felt uh, like the cellophane around a cigarette box. Just She just felt so out there. Joni Mitchell is an influence on my own writing and my, especially my poetry is, you know, the sort of like, be brave. Have, whatever you're feeling, put that out there, put it into words, and it's a way of processing. I want to write you a love letter. I want to knit you a sweater. I want to make you feel better. I want to make you feel free. There's a lot of alliterative quality in that, in that whole song. And um, I don't know, it just trips off the tongue. And, you know, in the, in the ideal love relationship, you want to do things for your partner. You want to knit them a sweater. You want to write them a love letter. You also want them to not feel confined and trapped. You want to make them feel free. And I, I always think that that's an ideal in a relationship. Sitting in a park in Paris, France, reading the news and it sure looks bad. They won't give peace a chance. That was just a dream some of us had. This is one of the things I love best about Listening Club is that you, um, everyone kind of brings their personal experience to the table, and I'd like to hear that. I'd like to hear that. I can't believe I was the only teenage girl singing this album alone in her room over some perceived slight over a boy in the cafeteria. I think it's one of the best albums of all time, and it turned 50 this year. And just the fact that it still sells and it's still being listened to a half a century after its creation speaks to its quality, I think. It's one of those forever records that you want to send out into space and let other beings know that we're really okay. The Wilkinson Public Library's Listening Club on Joni Mitchell's Blue is Monday, November 29th from 6 to 7 p.m. at the Telluride Music Company store on Main Street. If weather had gone according to plan, residents and visitors would be strapping sticks to their feet for the Telluride Ski Resort's opening day. Unfortunately, Mother Nature had warmer, drier plans, and the mountain remains closed. With residents coming back from the off-season and visitors making their way into the canyon, Telski is reminding the community that the mountain is closed to all public access. In a news release, Telski officials note there are a number of groomers, trucks, and snowmaking equipment on the mountain, and for safety reasons, it's important individuals and families stay away for the time being. That includes skiing, snowboarding, and sledding. With an investment in snowmaking infrastructure, Telski says it plans to have opening day on Friday, December 3rd, with top-to-bottom terrain available for all ability levels. In addition, the resort plans to have one terrain park open and access to on-mountain dining. Tis the season to be shopping, and the Telluride Arts Holiday Bazaar has you covered. 
The Arts Bazaar is a local tradition hosted by the Telluride Arts District in collaboration with the Wilkinson Public Library and the AHA School for the Arts. The event features handmade crafts, artisan jewelry, organic body products, gourmet food, ceramics, clothing, and more from artists and artisans around the region. The Arts Holiday Bazaar will take place December 3rd, 4th, and 5th at the AHA School for the Arts, the Wilkinson Public Library, and the Telluride Arts Headquarters. It's been a year since Colorado took the historic step of voting to reintroduce gray wolves. As KOTO Scott Franz reports, the state just got a possible roadmap for the project after months of public meetings. A group of wildlife experts says Colorado should capture wolves from Wyoming, Idaho, and Montana and release 10 to 15 of them annually for three years. They prefer a so-called hard release, where the wolves immediately go into the wild instead of spending time in pens adjusting to their new home. They also say they should be released during winter at multiple locations, and those spots should not be chosen based on which parts of the state voted to support the ballot measure. If all goes well, studies suggest it will take about a decade for a sustainable population to gain a foothold around the state. Colorado has until the end of 2023 to start releasing wolves. State wildlife commissioners have been debating exactly when to start. I'm Scott Franz. The Biden administration recently announced it's considering new measures to protect the greater sage-grouse, birds best known for their spectacular mating dances. Their sagebrush habitats are in peril from fires, mining, and oil and gas development, but getting help from an unexpected source, incarcerated men and women. H2O Radio's Franny Halperin reports. For decades, TV and movies have depicted cowboys driving cattle through sagebrush country, a desolate place dotted with gray-green shrubs. Even today, a drive down a highway in the West gives the impression it's monotonous terrain with little value. You know, flyover country, but don't let Gina Klingerman hear you call it a wasteland. I mean, this is a national treasure that people don't realize is here. Gina is with the Bureau of Land Management, or BLM, and I'm walking with her on this very windy day through rolling hills in southern Wyoming, where a wildfire last year torched 14,000 acres of so-called sagebrush steppe, a landscape that she says is in peril. It is at risk. It is being destroyed piece by piece. You know, oh, we're going to bulldoze this for a little road into this place, or, oh, we have another oil and gas well here. That's five acres there. You know, we have this little mining claim that's two acres here. Well, that starts to add up over time. Current estimates are that nearly half of sagebrush habitat is gone because of human activities and increasingly from fires, like at this charred site we're walking through now, about 100 miles north of the Colorado-Wyoming border. These, these were probably 100 and 150-year-old sagebrush, dead, gone, forever. That's a devastating loss for the pronghorn, deer, elk, and other wildlife that depend on this ecosystem, and also for the vast amounts of carbon the deep-rooted plants store. Once sagebrush are destroyed, it could take a hundred years for them to come back. 
The BLM wants to restore these habitats in large part because of shrinking numbers of greater sage-grouse, birds best known for their spectacular courtship dances in the spring. Gina says just scattering seeds on the ground really doesn't work to establish the plants, though they've tried, and so today, among blackened nubs of dead sagebrush on this barren hillside, I'm seeing little yellow cages about 12 inches tall inside which Gina and her colleagues have hand-planted seedlings one by one. It's arduous and time-consuming, but they got a little help from a surprising source. My name is Levi George, and I am at the Wyoming State Honor Farm. The Wyoming Honor Farm is a minimum security prison in Riverton, Wyoming, a couple of hours north of here. Through a program called the Sagebrush in Prisons Project, Inmates like Levi are helping the BLM by raising sagebrush from seed. Yeah, we, we start from the beginning. We uh, mix the dirt and the soil, uh, make sure the pH levels are where they need to be. And then we do the seedlings. And then throughout the year, we water and fertilize them. Had you ever raised plants from seeds before? No. How did that make you feel? It was great. It was very therapeutic and it's nice to see something grow from nothing. So being able to nurture them and watch them grow, to me, it was very soothing. The plants the inmates grew in six months that are going into the burn area are now about three inches tall. If they had been grown from seeds in the wild, it would have taken five years to get to the same height. The idea is to give sagebrush restoration a jump start and offer inmates a fresh start. At the end of the program, we give every participant a certificate. It talks about the skills that they've acquired. That's Stacy Moore with the Institute for Applied Ecology. The nonprofit created the Sagebrush in Prisons program in partnership with the BLM and now work in 11 prisons, including ones in Oregon, Idaho, Nevada, and California. We feel it's enriching the inmates' lives, that we're giving them education skills, horticulture skills, certificates, helping them with pro-social behaviors. And we find more inmates are wanting to do the program than there are openings. The experience convinced Levi, who's due to be released within days, to apply to work for the BLM. I plan on still continuing to work with them after my release here and try to help other people that's been in my situation when they get out to have somewhere to start from because it's hard for felons to get, you know, employment sometimes. So, With the Sagebrush Project, prisons are reporting less violence, and studies show programs like these are reducing recidivism. Inmates say giving back to the community meant a lot. It's just knowing that you had a part of something that you're giving life to that's going to hopefully sustain other life forms. It's, it's a big deal. It's also a big deal for the newly planted sagebrush. They'll thrive thanks to the help of the inmates who nurtured the seedlings and in that process grew themselves. For H2O Radio near Hannah, Wyoming, I'm Franny Halperin. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly clear skies tonight with a low around 15 degrees. Thursday should be sunny during the day and mostly clear at night with a high near 40 degrees and a low in the mid-20s. Friday, expect sunny skies with a high around 50. Friday night should be mostly clear with a low around 30 degrees. 
This has been the news for Wednesday, November 24th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. KOTO News will be off on Thursday and Friday for the holiday weekend. We will be back with our regularly scheduled news programming on Monday, November 29th. And now, personal commentaries. Hey, Koto listeners. Happy Thanksgiving. We have a lot to be grateful for in our community, but access to health care can still be a challenge. Tri-County Health Network can help make one thing easier for you by helping you enroll in the health insurance plan that's right for you. You can schedule a meeting with one of TCH Network's health coverage guides to make sure you're covered and find savings on your insurance premium. Sign up before December 15th to get coverage for 2022. Contact Tri-County Health Network at 970-708-7096 or email enrollment at tchnetwork.org. Get one more thing to be thankful for and enroll in health coverage today. Hey, CODA listeners. This is Jacqueline with Eco Action Partners and the CARE Program, also called the SMPA IQ Weatherization Program. The CARE program is for renters and homeowners alike. If you live in a house, a mobile home, apartment, duplex, condo, a structure, then this applies to you. The CARE program offers free energy efficiency upgrades for you, saving you tons of money on your energy bills this year. We come in and evaluate your home for free, install the upgrades for free, and make the home improvements happen for you, all for free for you. This is paid for by your local utility companies, San Miguel Power Association, and Black Hills Energy, in conjunction with EcoAction Partners in Energy Outreach Colorado. So how do you apply? Go online to ecoactionpartners.org and click on SMPA IQ Weatherization for more information or call EcoAction Partners at 970-728-1340. Again, that's eco actionpartners.org or call 970-728-1340. Save money on your energy bills and make your home more comfortable this winter season. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.